And now, Kyle and Steven present another episode of the Go F*** Yourself podcast. Um, it's Fix. Really? Well, that's embarrassing. The Go Fix Yourself podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Go Fix Yourself podcast. I am one half your host, Kyle, and sitting with me, as always, is Stephen Cornfield. Hello, everybody. In this episode, we sit down with Assemblyman Forrest Dunbar, who's also running for state Senate in the upcoming election. We touch on a lot of things in this podcast, and I got to be honest, I've been on the fence about having any political figures on the podcast, but he turned out to be a fantastic guest. Yeah. I I think, you know, when it comes to politicians, we're like, well, you know, we could offend the, the, the other side if we have this side on and we don't want to do that. But I, I think, you know, having a platform where it's like, you know, you have someone who maybe you don't agree with a hundred percent. I'm not saying, you know, Forrest is that person or whoever, but I, I think having a civil discussion and showing that both parties or whatever parties can be have a conversation together and still end the conversation and enjoy each other's uh, presence and everything. So I think having politicians on is a good thing, and I'm very excited that we started with Forrest here because. I, I've known Forrest for a little bit. I met him in May in Mexico, of all places. Uh, we were invited to the same drug one. smuggling. Yeah, well, that's our that's side Mike. hustle now. Yes, uh, we found out we 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 both were interested in that. Um, but you know, we that's that's another podcast. But we went to the same wedding in Mexico. We met there, and then I kind of kept in touch with him. And so now I did a video with him and. I just like, you know, what he's doing. Um, and some people might not like uh, everything you know, he's got to say. But I think, you know what? Hear us out. Hear it out. And kind of, you know, if you have any questions or you have any things, you can always hit us up at Go Fix Yourself Podcast on Instagram. And you can talk to us there. And we'd love to talk to you, whether you hate us or you love us. Yeah, I think um, the one thing with having politicians on, kind of like you alluded to, is that it humanizes them. They are people that like to, you know, go out and have a meal. They like to go to uh, parties with people. They like to socialize and do all the things that normal people do. They just, yeah. we like to view them as people that are like robots or all this different stuff. And yeah. they're just people trying to make the community better at the end of the day. I think they truly have that in their heart. And whether we believe it or not, they're a lot of them are trying to do their best. And so yeah. without for, without further ado, here is Forrest Dunbar. Without Forrest to do, without run Forrest run, we. <laughs> without further ado, here is our conversation with Forrest Dunbar. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have your attention for a second. We are very excited because we are joined in the studio today by Assembly Member Forrest Dunbar. Woo! He's also running for state senate, too. So doing a lot of things, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so 
You do a lot. Let's just jump right in. Sure. Right. So I always tell new people that probably uh, don't know the the podcast or haven't been on the podcast before. I always say my mom listens. Okay. And so I always say she lives in New York. She doesn't live up here. So tell her who you are, what you do. Sure. And we'll go from there. Well, actually, I wanted to, I sort of alluded to this before we started, um, but I wanted to kind of, before I even do that, I wanted to sort of apologize a little bit. Oh. I'm probably going to have a little bit of a weird energy today. Oh, because um, it's full moon. No, it's it is unfortunately, <laughs> again, I, I don't want to be too much of a downer, um, but I uh, found out earlier this afternoon that um, my roommate from college died. Uh, oh. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so... Uh, he, uh, was an alcoholic and, um, he's been going through a lot and I haven't seen him in years, you know? And so his dad called me this afternoon, excuse me, and, um, let me know that he passed away. And so he, he and I were college roommates my freshman year and we pledged the same fraternity. We were in very similar programs and he, uh, had the same test scores, you know, a lot of ways we were kind of the same Mm. person. But, you know, we'd go to these parties together and we'd drink and what have you. And then afterwards, I would stop because mm. that was that. And yeah. he just had this switch inside him where he just had to keep drinking. And it was something we all knew, you know. And eventually he left college and, you know, it, he spent the last few years of his life um, living with his parents. And, um, yeah, I just found out this afternoon. And so, uh, again, I... Sorry to be a, a, a downer on the podcast, but it sort of yeah. is going to frame my mindset today, yeah. tonight. Sure. Um, and thinking, you know, part of it is I'm still in my 30s, you mm-hmm. know, and realizing that I'm getting to that point in my life where some of my friends that were um, caught up in those kind of things, yeah. like you can only do that so long, mm-hmm. you know, and then you pass away. Yeah. And we were on, again, we were on very similar life tracks at that point when we were 18 when we met you know and then talking about diverging paths so he has now passed away but before that you know he was homeless for a time he was uh, again living with his parents and me i have been very fortunate and blessed that uh, i was able to i serve on the anchorage assembly um introducing myself i serve on the anchorage assembly which is like the city council Mm -hmm. um i grew up in a very small town in rural alaska and I live near East High School, and I represent East Anchorage. There are more kids at East High School than the number of people in the town I grew up in, you know. Mm. And so I have this uh, incredible opportunity and responsibility to represent 50,000 people in East Anchorage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other things, just like introducing me. Uh, so, yeah, I went to school in the East Coast. That's where I met this, uh, this young man, uh, John. Uh, and uh, then I went to law school, grad school, Peace Corps. Not in that order, actually. <laughs> Came back to Alaska and um, serve as an officer in the Alaska Army National Guard. I'm a judge advocate there. So that's sort of my, not a day job exactly, but that's what I do on some weekends. Um, and uh, and then I'm sort of a, I'm an attorney, but I, <laughs> I'm not really practicing right now. I, I do politics and policy basically full time now. So yeah. again, uh, apologies for getting into heavy stuff really quickly, but that, uh, is obviously something I've been thinking about a lot yeah. this afternoon as I've been door knocking. So I get that. You know, it's I got this call and I talked to his dad. I sent an email to my other fraternity brothers because that's really how the network that I knew him in. And so I sent this blast email to a bunch of them. And then I went out door knocking because it's, you know, it's the height of campaign season. And so I'm going door to door talking to people and trying to connect with them and let them know I can represent them. But that also in the back of my head, I'm, you know, 
the whole yeah. afternoon. I'm thinking about this, you know. Yeah, this, I get this that. evening. So, well, shit, man, yeah, you it's didn't, been a crazy. You could have canceled, man. You no, didn't have no, to do no. this. <laughs> no, no, it's you know, I. It's funny, John. Um, John and I, we didn't talk on the phone. I, I don't. I, I hate talking on the phone. That's something else. Like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm not good at that. But he and I would text and send uh, messages on like um, Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, he was in the school of public affairs. He or public policy at American and he was very interested in politics and so usually when I talk to him it'd be about my what I'm doing in politics up here you know he was always cheering me on he was always giving me advice you know he was the funny thing is he he was so smart he was so knowledgeable about history particularly military history was something he cared a lot Mm -hmm. about so he of course is really interested and 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 I think I think proud when I joined the military after law school and um no, I think it sounds cliche, but I think this is what he would want me to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I get that, man. I uh, I understand where your mindset's at right mm-hmm. now. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we had a mutual buddy we went we were in Mexico with mm. who passed away uh, a month after we were in Mexico. Oh. Um, yeah. You, you didn't hear that? No. Oh, my yeah. gosh. One of the... What, um, yeah. One of the... My best buds. We were... We traveled and we went down there. And he passed away in a helicopter crash uh, in July. And we actually haven't talked about it on here. So death is very, very yeah. uh, recent for me as well. So I understand like where your mindset's at. So yeah. I appreciate you coming out and being clear. I feel dumb for fucking putting the crowd noise on and being like, woo! <laughs> no, no, no. I, but, no you, I didn't tell you beforehand. Maybe yeah. I should have told you beforehand. It would have been... Uh, you know, would have been a little more appropriate. But, like, I, I no, I mean, I th- again, I think that John, um, he liked this kind of stuff. He yeah. liked these kind of conversations, you know. And that was why we vibed so much my first year of college. And then our paths, again, started to diverge. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's funny. I also... So I'm in a profession, uh, not even a profession. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm in politics where you're expected to be sort of on all the time and you're very yeah. extroverted and you're very, you know, trying to charm people. But the truth is I've always been a little bit of an introvert and I grew up in high school being sort of an outcast and I had a pretty rough end to my, my high school career, went into, um, went into college pretty angry, you know, and that was when I met him. And so he and I, I mean, this is all kind of before cell phones too. I mean, we just weren't connected the way we are now on social media and stuff. And he and I would just like walk around. We were in DC, like Northwest DC, like just, just walking around, just talking, you know what mm, I mean? And, yeah. and, um, both of us, you know, dealing, th- you know, working through stuff when you're 18, 19 years old, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, but it, it's been, it's been a lot of years, uh, since I, I, I've seen him. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's a bummer, but it, it's it's uh, <laughs> alcoholism and depression, and I don't think he had depression, but alcoholism yeah. and depression both. I've I've had some other folks I've lost in my life recently yeah. from that kind of stuff. They're diseases, you know. They're not moral failings, and I think that's important to talk about. Sure, you know, yeah. and super common, you know, and they're just really hard to break out of. And his family tried really hard, and sometimes you win that battle, and sometimes you don't. Yeah, we've literally had several guests on here that one the podcast that's coming out tomorrow is about sobriety and somebody mm-hmm. that's battled with it. And it seems to be a very we, we've we've talked about this a million times now, just either Stephen and I or on the podcast about just people being more open to the discussion about it when mm-hmm. it was kind of taboo yeah. or it was, uh, you know, we don't talk about, you know, what he's dealing with. He's got his own demons or whatever. And now we're. Right 
I'd like to think we're more open about people that struggle and trying to get help for them. And somebody that's in politics yourself, like you probably see a lot of movements towards like funding for those kind of programs, maybe for the city. I don't know if that's hopefully that comes across your, your desk per se a lot of times. And no, it does. I mean, it's controversial, um, but Anchorage has a new tool in the alcohol tax specifically to fund treatment. Mm. And it is, you know, it, it does, and it has been, but not a, not really enough. It's been t- difficult to stand up some of those programs. It's taken sure. longer than mm-hmm. I think a lot of people want it to. But there is more money these days um, through federal funding, to a lesser extent through state funding, through local funding for substance misuse treatment for uh, mental and behavioral health treatment and recognizing a lot of things are co-occurring so you won't have just one issue you sure. know one one problem another one is uh, traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. which is also i think fortunately um there's a lot more knowledge about that now and that also is co-occurring with a lot of these things oh yeah where people will get a traumatic brain injury and it will cause behavioral health problems and it will lead to substance abuse or um you know there's all different ways it happens CTE, all that kind absolutely of stuff that you read about yeah 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 i mean in this podcast like i just i really have like a couple questions that that i really want to ask you because there's a lot of things that i Stephen knows that I like did a short stint in politics for a year Mm. and that was 2012 and that pushed me so far away (laughs) from wanting to be involved in politics at all. Yeah. And I hate to say that, but that makes me feel weak because I'm like, oh, I, I, it's not for me. Couldn't hack it. I couldn't hack it. (laughs) But it also, you know, I saw the kind of the, the different sides of, of politicians and all this stuff. And I was like, man, this is. I, I don't like it. And yeah, it, yeah. it. We've talked about this with churches. Like we, we were so involved with church that it almost pushed us so far away that we don't want to be involved anymore. Yeah. And so like, I, I want to talk to somebody like you, who's young, smart and involved in politics. And like, what can somebody like, you know, a 30 something, 20 something year old, like do to be involved and feel like mm-hmm. their voice is heard and mm. feel, uh, like you're not just a pawn in the whole big game. And I, and I don't know if you can, (laughs) you are somewhat of a pawn, but you know, well, we're all pawns to a certain extent. Right. Uh, (laughs) How do I I be a rook? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bishop. uh, And we can get into that, but like, that's something that like I, right when I heard you were going to be on here, we haven't had any political figures yet. Yeah. At all. You are the first. first. Hmm. And so I was like, oh, you know, this is interesting choice. Well, you know, <laughs> could have got somebody a little more successful than me. No, no. Uh, who? No, just kidding. No. <laughs> I think Lisa would do this podcast. Don't, uh, don't, first off, don't don't uh, undersell yourself because I think you are the great a uh, great choice. Because also, we just did a video together. And it was fun, yeah, right? It was fun. It was like yeah. a little collaborative, creative effort. And then I was like, dude, like, hell yeah, let's have you on the podcast. Like, yeah, you did a great job, too. That got great reviews. Oh, good. I'm glad it did. Was uh, it the TikTok one? Yeah, it was the one. Because I saw that come Instagram, up on my t- Instagram doc- Reel. Oh, Reel. Sorry. sorry. It was Reel, but it was I don't do TikTok. But not yet. Not well, no, yet. I, I'm not going it, to. It was the Army real. has been very clear. Like, oh, we are not oh, supposed no to be Chinese, on TikTok. No Chinese That's technology. Right. right. I mean, I, I know a lot of military guys and gals do use it, but I... I'm not going I get to. that. Make, I guess that makes I sense. I forget there is no. A no, but I want to answer your question if yeah. I could. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, it's funny you say that you were involved in 2012 and that turned you off, because 
it got so much worse after 2016. Oh, <laughs> I mean, 2016 was really the seminal moment sure. that for a lot of us was really disillusioning, right? The the presidential election in 2016, where it was like, well, I don't I don't want to get too political, but whether you whether you like Trump's policies or not, the sort of person he was and the things he had said and done was so antithetical to what everybody thought we wanted in a political leader. Mm -hmm. You know, just, I mean, again, I'm going to re rehash it, but everybody has seen some of the videos and some of the audio recordings of things he's said and things he's done and the way he's attacked people and mocked people with disabilities and all this kind of stuff. And so me, when I ran the first time in 2014, I had this sort of very optimistic, you know, kind of, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure what exactly the term would be, but so it was like stars in your eyes. <clears throat> yeah. And also I, young I, gun. I, I had been, I had been sort of educated through these institutions that had this very idealistic view of public policy and politics. So like American university, the Kennedy school, Yale law school, the Truman scholarship, they all had this certain ethos mm -hmm. and Trump was just this repudiation of everything that I had thought. You know, even someone like, I mean, you'd be someone who's very conservative, um, but still be sort of respectful and mm -hmm. and not have the kind of skeletons in your closet that he did. And and so, you know, if someone like, uh, I don't know, even like, well, Mike Pence is maybe a bad example, but certainly like John McCain or someone like that, you know, they might be of a different political party, but there's no, it's not going to cause a, a serious kind of reevaluation sure. of yourself or the country, mm -hmm. you know, Um but but Trump sort of did and, and continues to and 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 the sort of movement that he um, created or or revealed or however you want to describe it um, continues to be in our politics and you see it reflected um, you know at the assembly meetings for example where you had mm -hmm. people screaming and threatening violence people honking horns you had you know someone lit a mask on fire in the middle you know what i mean like that kind of thing yeah. things that we used to be thought of as beyond Crazy, the pale you know nuts. the beyond the pale stuff is just sort of normalized now mm -hmm. and that was his great innovation i think you know innovation i'll use scare quotes but like the sort of lack of shame and the sort of thinking like well there's no actual rules here it's all just norms and we can just burst through these norms and it doesn't matter. But again, I still haven't answered your actual question, which was <laughs> in that context, how can a, a normal person or like a young person get involved in a way that feels meaningful? Yeah. I think there are, there are sort of different ways. There's a way to be involved civically that is not overtly political that I think is very valuable. So for example, a community council, we have those in Anchorage. Now those can be extremely dry and extremely boring, frankly. And so it can be kind of a turnoff for, um, for people that, that go, especially young folks. But I do think that's valuable. I think there are a bunch of, of civic organizations that you can join and be a part of. And it's almost, almost anything, you know, I mean, people who are involved in Rotary or people who are mm. involved in, like for me, I helped found the Muldoon Farmers Market. And getting to know people in my neighborhood through that, you sure. know? Um, and then if you want to be a little bit more overtly political, I mean, obviously there, is, there are the two parties that get a lot of flack, but they are a way to get involved. I mean, there's no question if you went down to your local Republican or Democratic party and said, I want to get involved, they would probably find something good for you to do. Yeah. Um, but also working on campaigns, I mean, especially in a small state like Alaska, one person can make a huge difference. Like if you want, if you're willing to make calls or go door knocking, or even drop lit, you can absolutely make a difference. And you see people, I mean, I'm sure you've seen them driving to work, people like on the side of the road waving oh, yeah. signs. You too could be one of those people. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it feels fun. I mean, frankly, right. I, I did that. I did all that kind of stuff before I actually got involved in politics. And it does 
it, it is impactful. And a lot of times, you know, you make, you do make connections. You go to, go to fundraisers, go to a mm. fundraiser, you know, and you know, maybe you can't afford to, to give a hundred dollars, right. Give $25, you know, to someone you care about and believe in. Um, and then maybe you end up interning for them, or maybe you'll end up getting appointed to a board or commission, you know, something like that. Cause the boards and commissions are full of normal people, you know? Um, well, they used to be yeah, generally, <laughs> they, generally. sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately there isn't like one clearing house that people can just go yeah. to. Um, but I, I think, and I mean, for, for the love of God, you have to vote, of course, like you, you have to vote. And, and in places like Alaska, you know, the closest election in Alaskan history, there was an, there was an election two cycles ago that was decided by one vote. And that is not the closest election, election in Alaskan history. Bryce Edgman, who's currently in the state house and used to be the speaker, they tied. And do you know how they resolve a tie in Alaskan politics? Shootout. Rodeo. <laughs> one of the two. They, they flip a coin. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, really? That's Completely it. Completely chance. Yeah. yeah. Well, Isn't that yeah. crazy? And, and and now he's, he's I don't know how many, oh, I, man. I don't know how many uh, terms, he's a great legislator. I don't know how many terms he's been, but it's, uh, that's another illustration of how arbitrary politics can yeah. be too, like who wins, who loses. I feel like I, if I was like governor, I'd be like, uh, have like a, um, what do they call it? Obstacle course? <laughs> who, who can do it like a, the first? American Ninja. Like, <laughs> like American <laughs> who can get the farthest? Nick Hansen will win probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. well, he's our winner. So was that just <laughs> written into some sort of constitution Alaska, like years and years ago that any tie will be decided by a coin flip? Yeah, that sounds that like sounds, such a Western. That sounds like an old, like, old, You old know, I, I don't know the answer to that question. And maybe there are alternate ways to to resolve it. I know how that, that was how it was resolved at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I assume it's in the code, not the constitution or the statutes oh, yeah. on the constitution, but I actually don't know. It's trial by combat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Game of what, Thrones. That's what we need. Yeah. yeah. Get a Freaking the mountain. Yeah. The, what is it? <laughs> the red mountain viper. viper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, um, that is so interesting. Like, well, how did you, as somebody, like, you di you've you done a lot of things, like, going yeah. through college and the military and all those things. Like, Peace what, Corps. We want to get into that, too. Yeah. Sure. But, like, what made you want to get into politics? Because, uh, like, uh, a lot of us watched, granted it's fake, House of Cards. <laughs> and I think everybody that watched that show is like, I never want to do politics <laughs> yeah. ever again. And I know that's, that's obscure, but, like, yeah. you had to feel like you wanted to change something, I I, I suppose. Right. I, and I think that is, I would say for most people involved in politics, that is probably part the main part of their motivation. Right. They want to make the world a better place. They want to change things. For me, I, I'm, I'm Jewish and there's a, a tenet in the Jewish faith called tikkun olam, which means to heal the suffering of the world. And mm -hmm. I think that is something that I've always... Not always, but as I be, as I got a little more religious in my late teens and early twenties, is something that helped motivate me. Um, but there wasn't any like one aha moment. Sure. There wasn't any one TV program like The West Wing or something like yeah, that, yeah. that 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 motivated me. West Wing, incredibly unrealistic, by the way. I would say the most realistic. This is not an original joke, gonna, but I know true. what you're going to say. Veep. Yeah, I knew it. I yeah. knew it. I knew <laughs> that, you were going to say that. That's so funny. Uh, no, I, I mean it's. It's sort of true, but um, no, most people, it's sort of interesting. Most people in, that I've met in politics are motivated by their desire to make the world a better place. And you actually meet relatively few people in politics that just lie all the time or, or are willing to do the kind of nasty things that you might see on House of Cards or something like that. Sure. Those folks are actually relatively rare, um, but they can be incredibly damaging because if someone like... Uh, I mean, we were talking about Trump earlier, but if something like someone like that comes around, 
and they are saying things that are obviously false and they're still winning, then what they can do is get every, the worst thing you can do is say, ah, they're all liars and throw your hands up and walk away. That, that only empowers the the sociopaths and the people who have Mm -hmm. that, that will to power. If every, if all the normal people check out and stop voting or stop being engaged because they think it's all like that, then the, the truly bad apples are the ones that win from that. Um, and exhaustion is one of their tools They, they want people to be exhausted and disgusted by politics. So they walk away. I don't know if they, they think that consciously, but that is the case. The people that just burn things down. And that is, again, that is not most people you meet in politics, particularly before 2016, where, where it was sort of like the, the sort of Marjorie Taylor Greens and Lauren Boebert's of the world weren't thought of as people that could get elected and hold political office. Right. Um, now we have them at basically every level of politics. But, um, but again, I, I just have to urge people like, don't give up, don't walk away, and don't think that every politician is lying all the time. Again, I, I, most folks I think aren't lying most of the time, right. you know, they are trying to do their best. Um, now they might be guided by an ideology that I fundamentally disagree with, and they might believe things that are sort of not a reflection of the real world. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about people who like make up election conspiracies. I'm talking about people who I have disagreements on, on like, I don't know, like trickle down economics or something like that, sure. you know? Um, but again, like I, I think politics is, it can be very disillusioning, but also most people you meet in politics are not as terrible as uh, a show like House of Cards might make them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot less it's murder entertainment. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, guess I, I only watched the first season of that, so I'm yeah. not sure. I, well, it gets worse. It yeah. gets worse. I mean. <laughs> oh, wait, no, yeah, I did watch the second season or part of the second season. There's, yeah. I, I don't want to spoil anything for someone. Yeah, but there's there, just a lot. Yeah. I don't think anybody's yeah. watching that yeah. now. <laughs> I was going to say, there was a scene. I remember a scene. There's this, like, horrific scene uh, in the Metro. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 Just, yeah, and, you know, I went yeah, to school in D.C., and I gotta say, I, I saw that, and I was just like, "Come on, man! Like, you could not." There are so many cameras, cameras. in the metro. Like, no way he gets away with that. Yeah. Kevin Spacey knows where to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not that's why he's also in trouble. Yeah, um, I, I think that it's really interesting because I feel like as a kid, uh, I've—I mean, I would say up till recently, I was never interested in politics. Uh, I was never interested because I, I think one of the things but too politics is like, was interested in you. <laughs> oh, Uncle Sam, the point, man. Um, no, I, I think one of the things that really always deterred me was like the aggressive against each other, mm-hmm. right? Um, the like the divisiveness, right? Sure. I think that's one thing that's just always like, you know, always plagued me about politics. And so, yeah. why do you think like that? it's come to that. Right. Because I feel like for me, I've just now been like getting okay and getting interested in like yeah. what's happening with my local government, what's happening with my city, what's happening with my, you know, not even local government, like, you know, just the yeah. overall. Um, and so maybe how can someone get past that? Mm. Because I think for me, like I said, it's, it's taken a long time to really understand yeah, that hate, like the, the hatred between two parties or multiple parties is sure. like, you know, kind of hard to get by. I would say, um, first, there are really deep disagreements about the direction that our city or state or country should yeah. go in. And people are and, very passionate about their side. Sure. Yeah. And, and that has been the case since the founding of the republic. And we we think that uh, this is the worst it's ever been. And it feels to me like the worst in my lifetime. Yeah. But we also fought a civil war in 1860. So, you know, there have been times in American politics that were just as 
divided as this. But I would say just because things are divided and divisive doesn't mean that that one side isn't right, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, and that's another thing. I hate both siderisms where people are like, oh, both sides are equally bad. Both sides are wrong. Both sides are extreme. You know, I, I hate that because it, it, it it's, first of all, it's sort of like intellectually lazy. Like you should be able to analyze both sides and actually drill down and say, okay, I, in, in this case, Maybe, maybe, but maybe, the, maybe your your position is a little bit less extreme than one of the other, one or the other parties. But like in 1860, one of those sides was right. We should have got rid of slavery in this country, right? And the yeah. the, the, the I, I I haven't gone and looked at the New York Times or whatever. But if you were to go and look at like the the media or the sort of pearl clutchers back then, they'd probably be like, oh, can't we all just get along? Like both sides are equally wrong. They're both so divisive. It's like no, uh, they the the slaveholders were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm sorry. That's and, a good way, and, the good the good way to put it. Yeah, right. And and we had to end slavery in this country. Now I'm sure there were specific things that uh you know that people can point to like you know Abraham Lincoln was wrong to to and whatever he did in to Maryland's legislature you know something like that. So be it. But like at 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 root at bottom one side was right and one side was wrong. Now most things in our society are not that clear cut. There are, there are shades of gray. Most things aren't as inherently evil in our society as slavery was, you know, that is a right. unique, um, uh, stain, uh, uh, on the history of the world. Really. I mean, there are lots of places yep. that had slavery. 100%. And, and so, um, so let's, let's, let's reel back from that sort of hyperbolic ex example I used. And, but again, I want to stress, like, I don't just both sides, everything. And so if someone is really looking to engage, I, I would urge yeah. them to, to try to resist that urge to, to throw up your hands and blame both sides. And if there is a really, if there is some divisiveness happening, um, look and see who is driving it and really try to analyze that. Because a lot of times you'll realize, you know, um, people will burn something down so they can be king of the ashes, you know, and what happened in 2020 and 2021 in Anchorage was that some people got, uh, they both themselves and people got them worked up and they intentionally disrupted the assembly and made it seem like things were incredibly divisive. And they took things that, that should have been unifiers and broke them and, and, and lied about them. And then, and then frankly, they won. And, and it was because people did this both sides. Like I would get questions from the, uh, from the media, like, why are things so divided right now? What can you do to heal the divide? And I'm like, well, talk to the folks that are lighting things at fi on fire at our, our, at our meetings or are, are blaring their horns outside our meetings. And we can't think, hear ourselves think or are screaming at us. And like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it was being driven in a very intentional way. And it goes back to what I said to you before exhaustion is a tool. Um, and, and so some folks will drive this sort of this anger and this fear and this divisiveness because they know at the end of the day, it's going to be politically profitable for them. Mm. And in some cases, like personally, financially profitable for them. There are certain people in our society that make money off of doing this. There yeah. are people that drive that anger and that hatred on Facebook or uh, somewhere else on the internet or even on TV. They make money off of making you mad on the radio, make you mad and keep you mad. Right. And they make money off of that. Yeah. So um, how do you get past that? I think you've just got to come at, at it with clear eyes and understand that you're being constantly bombarded by people that are doing this intentionally to rile you up and try to get past that and sort of analyze the issues and, and understand, too, you have to stay motivated because that's the only way we make any kind of change. And these decisions have real impacts on your lives and the people you care about. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I think even like just you saying, you know, follow the thread basically to the who's instigating it 
right? What's the root? Who, what's the root <laughs> of the problem? And I think that's really smart. I think if I, you know, 18-year-old Stephen would have done that instead of just seeing the bigger picture yep. or just feeling the feelings that he was feeling, I feel like he'd be like, oh, 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 you know, like yeah. gone down to like the understanding of it. Um, it's, okay. hard, it's hard when you're 18, though. I mean, it's hard well, to like figure out any what you're feeling when you're 18. You're such an idiot. <laughs> Anything, sorry. Any, yeah, not any, just you, uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, so let's go back a little bit because, you know, because it still fascinates me how much you've done and what you are doing, right? Uh, how did you get into politics, yeah. first off, right? Yeah, I realized I gave you like a long winding. Again, I apologize for my mental state tonight. I, I gave you kind That's of a cool, long man. philosophical answer instead of like a very concrete one. No so I, um, my parents were not involved in politics, except in like sort of a broader sense that they were engaged. They were in, um, they were voters. They watched the news. They we lived in Cordova when I was until I was seven. I lived in a little village called Eagle on the Yukon River, a little town. And, and then uh, and then we moved to Cordova when I was seven. And um, my dad actually was tell, br- briefly just, on the. Um, just go ahead. Tell people what Cordova is because. We have a lot of out-of-state listeners. Oh, okay. Well, first, Eagle, Eagle was a town of 200 people. Um, now it's 80 people, but it was 200 at the time. Um, it's about a four-and-a-half-hour drive from any other town. Um, it's uh, on the Yukon River. Um, it gets down to about 60 below in the winter. You can't oh fly in or gosh. out because planes Warm. can't fly before below 40. Nope. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, 40 below. So that's Eagle. And then um, Eagle also really interesting. It's something I didn't realize until I was older. You know, I was a little kid. It's it's a town and a village right next to each other. It's like very racially segregated. Mm-hmm. You've got an Alaska Native village and a white town right next to each other. And they used to have two schools, and then the, they closed the village schools and made all the village kids come into the oh. to the white town. Um, but uh, yeah, very interesting dynamic. Uh, still have a number of friends there, and. Um, so uh, when I was seven, we moved down to Cordova. Cordova is a town of about 2,000 people on Prince William Sound. There's no road in or out. You have to take a boat or a plane. My dad was there because uh, my family moved there because my dad was a fisheries biologist with Fish and Game. And after the oil spill, they brought in a bunch of Fish and Game folks to, in part, study the effects of oil spill and, in general, just help manage the fishery. Yeah. Um, my mom was a special ed uh, aide and then a librarian. Um, but, they again, they weren't um, – they weren't in politics in a traditional sense. They were just sort of engaged. Like my mom ran the recycling program in town. And by I say ran, I'm using quotes here. She used to like go into the dumpsters in town and like collect all the cans and then like herself put them in the back of her Subaru <laughs> and like take them to badass. the baler. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize how unusual and badass that was until you know, later in life. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I was raised sort of, uh, you know, we watched the five o'clock news together, you know, and, and just sort of engaged in that way. When I was 16, I did a foreign exchange to Japan. Uh, I went, um, lived in Japan for a year. Um, and how that happened is kind of another long story, which we don't need to go into, but I ended up in Japan for a year using money. My grandma had gotten in a, in a, in a class action. Uh, I saw the preface by saying my parents were not wealthy. We were not wealthy. Right. So, um, and, uh, so in Japan for a year and it sort of really expanded my brain. You know, I saw the way that other countries saw the United States. I also met kids from around the country that had radically different philosophies and sort of thought processes than I did. Um, and so that kind of got me more thinking about the world. And I thought I wanted to be a diplomat. I wanted to be a foreign service officer. That was kind of my dream when I left Japan. And so I went back to Alaska, finished high school, and then I went to American University to study international relations because I thought I wanted to be a diplomat. Um, also, between high school and college, I did my first political internship. Um, and I can't even remember how I got connected, but I, I ended up interning for Frank Murkowski, Lisa's father. Oh. 
Senate oh, wow. in his last year before he became the governor and left the U.S. Senate. Um, uh, that last summer, I interned in his office. Uh, and so I worked on the Hill, you know, I quote unquote worked. <laughs> you know, I was an intern on the Hill. And, 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 uh, and then I went to American University. And then you're just sort of immersed in politics. You know, if you're in D.C. and you're studying something like international relations or, or public policy or something like that, I also have a double major in economics. Like you just get these internships, you get like connected to people. You just like, it's just in the air, you yeah. know, which is good and bad, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's great for awakening young minds. It's also kind of a grind, you know, <laughs> you go to DC and like, I, I don't know, you're laughing. I don't know if I'm spending time in DC, but it can be tough. I spent very little time there, but I was like, this is not, this is not my place. <laughs> this is not the place I'm going to hang out well, for. Well, the long. people who like grew up there, like the folks that, you know, live in places like Anacostia or folks that like mm -hmm. are normal people in right. DC, they're great. Sure. You know, um, but the people like me, there are these sort of like students and I went back there a couple of times for summer internships and stuff, you know, that, that come, everybody is kind of a climber and everybody, not, not in like a literal sense, you know what I mean? Right. Like, a, and, and, and I am too. I mean, that's, that's who I was and perhaps still who I am. And, um, you know, it, and, and it can be, uh, for me, I can take it, I think at a couple of years at a time, you know, and then, um, want to be somewhere else. But, um, anyway, so, so I think that is sort of, you know, practically where I, I did another internship on the Hill when I was in, uh, college. I also worked at a place called the Brookings Institution, which is a think tank in DuPont Circle. Um, and so, you know, I was just living and breathing politics and policy. Mm -hmm. I also was involved in, um, the, the peace protests against the Iraq war. I mean, that was another thing that was like a big deal when mm -hmm. I was in college, my first year of college, like we was a run up to the Iraq war. And so I was in these protests as was John actually, ironically, um, the, the, the young man mm -hmm. who we talked about John. So John and I went down to a couple of these protests, you know, and so interesting because he is not like inherently a peaceful person. Like he was a, uh, uh, an avid military fan who believed right. in a strong national defense. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I serve in the military now I'm a gun owner. So was he, I think. And, um, but I think we both thought that the Iraq war was this incredible strategic blunder that we were going to get mired there, you know, similar to Vietnam. And this is, I was like 18 years old, you know, it's sort of crazy looking back. Like there were a bunch of people saying this and then that's like exactly what happened, yeah. you know? And, um, but I was also working on Capitol Hill and it was interesting for months in advance, it was just known, or I felt at least, it was just known in the halls of Congress that we were going to invade Iraq. Like there was just nothing that, that the Iraqis could do. There was nothing the UN could do. There was nothing anyone could do because George W. Bush had decided to invade Iraq. Mm -hmm. And so it was going to happen. And you talk about like why I'm in politics and policy. There are moments where it's like one person's decision, mm -hmm. you know, right. and had someone else been president, not George W. Bush, um, thousands of American soldiers and hundreds of thousands of Iraqis would still be alive, you know, uh, or wouldn't have died at that time, at least. Um, now, Saddam Hussein might have lasted a, a, a longer too. You know, who knows if the Arab Spring would have brought him down. But the point is, the Iraq War to me was an egregious mistake, and um, and I felt that you know at a young age, as a kid, yeah, yeah. And, and most people don't. Um, most people in politics, obviously, don't ever have that kind of momentous decision. You're not going to decide if a war happens or doesn't. Sure, but you are going to make some decisions that impact people's lives. And, you know, for the most part, most things in politics are these big sweeping 
um, um, movements or these big sweeping uh, uh, trends in society that politicians have relatively little impact on, to be honest, mm -hmm. you know, like the rise of social media or like the fact that uh, global warming, something like that, you know, where uh, there's these, these long-term economic ch changes that are going to change the way that we live. And politicians have relatively little impact on that. Um, the U.S. economy is another one. People love to blame the president, but usually he has, rel he or she will have relatively low impact on that. But there are moments, there are moments where you make decisions. Um, and, you know, to use another extreme example, like Vladimir Putin invaded the U Ukraine, you know, that just wouldn't have happened if somebody else had made a different decision. You know, it's his personal decision, you know? Sure. And, and, and so, you know, I, I think that keeps me motivated. I think hopefully it keeps people motivated to be part of politics, to understand that you want people with good judgment um, and some humanity in these positions mm -hmm. um, to to make what hopefully is the right decision. You know, yeah. yeah. They always talk about like the the guy with the nuclear codes, right? Like as in the big joke, like <laughs> this is the guy you want to trust, like or don't trust. And so, right? Yeah, I see. I mean, that does make sense to me that like you want to affect change that really takes the power out of one person's hand that you you, you don't trust and yeah. hopefully puts it in somebody's that you do. And I mean, still, I mean, <clears throat> politics, I think, does jade a lot of people. And like, sure. like you were mentioning earlier, kind of the two sides of the aisle, like a lot of people, even myself, I catch myself saying that, like, I feel like a centrist mm -hmm. nowadays because like then I, you're a Democrat. <laughs> Maybe I don't know it, because <laughs> the it's Democrats like, are the centrist party and well, the progressive party. I mean, but it, it, anyway. it feels like it feels weird because like yeah. all your all your your showered with is is like exactly what you said is the extreme sides, yeah. and yeah. you're like, oh, that's the normal side that or that's normal, that's normal. I don't want to be a part of either of those, and sure. I, I almost. I don't know if I blame myself for that or if I blame like the media that I've consumed and the media but, that is targeted at me. Well, that's but. what I was going to say. Like you are being targeted with this right. media. Everybody is. Sure. Um, there is a, um, a documentary on, I think we might've talked about this, Stephen, maybe not. There's a documentary on Netflix right now called the social dilemma. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, I think it does a good job. It, that's only part of it. Cause there's also like talk radio and, and, you know, uh, uh, cable news and that kind yeah. of thing. But, but, the social media companies now have it down to such a science oh, yeah. that, I mean, they're literally altering your brain chemistry. Oh, um, and, well, and, well, great. And they're listening to us. <laughs> Absolutely. They yeah. know every single thing about you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Cause like, you'll say like, uh, you know, I, I want to get this, right. I want to buy this thing. And then a targeted ad. And then boom, up. buy this thing. It's sure. like, Oh my. So they're definitely listening. They're definitely, yeah. or they're just really, really good at targeting. And then it stuff. doesn't help when but you actually happening. buy it too. Right. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not paranoia if they're actually out to get you. Yeah. And yeah. the advertisers are out to get you to buy things. Yeah. Oh, for and, sure. And they know that, um, in sort of the world of politics and sort of political entertainment, mm -hmm. which is, um, that people, yeah, people that are riled up, they yeah. more eyeballs and they spend more. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's a, uh, it, it is incredibly destructive. I'll, I'll say that, you know, so I just came from this, this afternoon, I did, I don't know, five, five and a half hours of door knocking. Yeah. And it is, I say it is actually pretty refreshing. Now you have to have a thick skin. Obviously I get screamed at every once in a while. Um, the current list I'm sort of talking to maybe get screamed at a little bit less, you know, cause you target like who you're talking yeah. to. Um, but, uh, you know, most people, most of the time are normal people who don't 
espouse either of those right. sort of crazy extremes. Just normal, pe- right? Normal people, right? Quotes. They, they can be sort of tricked into voting based on one of those extremes sure. at different times. They can be targeted with enough ads and they can think, oh my gosh, yes, this thing that is not happening is actually happening and they can vote based on fear usually. Right. Um, but for the most part, most of the time, that's not how they behave. And so when you go door to door talking to voters, sometimes it can be pretty affirming. You would be like, okay, this, this normal person just wants a speed bump on their street. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They're not actually, part of it helps that I'm at the local level, not the federal level where it's all these kind of big, contentious issues you know and the stakes seem so much higher and one of the terrible things that happened in 2020 and 2021 in Anchorage is the sort of national politics came down to the local level I mean people saw an opportunity they saw an opportunity to make money particularly some of the blogs and they nationalized some of the stuff that was happening locally and connected it to some of the stuff that was happening nationally and um, it was very profitable for them it was very destructive to Anchorage's politics yeah that uh, and that's something like I watched, and I think Stephen watched, and, and a lot of people in Anchorage watched this this crazy circus thing happen down at the assembly for yep. how many insane. days in a row? It was insane. Well, it happened a dude. few times. It okay. happened a few times, Wasn't and it, it was always like a week. It got week. delayed. Well, no, there, I mean, there were several different incidents. It happened in 2020. It happened again in 2021. Um, I think the one you're probably talking about that had, like, the the Stars of David. Yeah, that was and that's, that's, that's the crazy one. That, that one, I think, was seven days, I want to say. That blew um, my fucking mind. It was not great. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, you know, they, there's the picture of the guy pointing at me and the yeah. Sub- yeah. subtitles like, you know, pointing at Forrest Dunbar, who is Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it, it was, uh, it was a circus and it was unfortunate. And, um, you, you would have thought that a pandemic, you know, a virus is like barely alive. It's almost like a little killing machine. And you would have thought if nothing else, we could unify to stop like a deadly little killing machine that's politically neutral. But it turned out to be like this huge, nasty political that, partisan fight. Which yeah, it's was, awful. That, was, it, I think that's yeah. one thing that sucks about like I, I go back to like what I was one of my questions where I was like, the, I feel the divisiveness, right? Yep. And I was like always opposed to that. I still am. I mean, of course, it's like you see this stuff and you're just like, that is awful. That's disgusting. I don't want to be a part of that. Sure. Right. Um, but I think that thing is like when you see the anger and like the hate and all that stuff. It is so just like, you can't help but kind of feel like an emotion, like whether you're for it or against it. And so it's really, really hard to, uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why I'm like just starting to get in, interested was because of that scenario that yeah. that specific thing the picture yeah. and the star of david where it was just like i don't want to see this happen again right like how what can i do to kind of get involved very slowly very slightly yeah but um i think it was like you know you, you go back to talking about um there were points that you said you can like go back to and be like this yeah. is kind of like uh, a reason why i wanted to continue um and it's like points like that where i'm like yeah. i don't want this to happen in my city. This is awful. Like I want to get involved. Yeah. Um, and so, Oh, sorry. No, I was going to, well, I could take us on kind of a long tangent if you'll have me, unless (laughs) you have something else you want to go for it. Okay. I was going to say, I mean, related to that and going back to this question again, like how did I get involved and stay involved in politics? So, um, again, I'm Jewish. My grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. Her Mm. dad died in a Nazi camp and she came to the United States when she was 12, maybe 13. And, um, and she spoke with this thick German accent, like my whole life. You know, she was living here her whole life. But yeah. she, and she had a she had a PhD from from Berkeley. Like she was brilliant, but she refused to ever speak German again, which I totally understand. And she, because they were living in Germany, you know, when they were picked right. up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, but her and her mom 
escaped and uh, some of her other brothers and sisters had left uh, to the United States earlier. And so, but she had this, um, you know, she had this way about her. I do remember this moment where um, I won't go into the details about what I was doing. I was just being a kid. And she basically looked at me and said, you know, when are you going to like, when are you going to grow up? Or like, when are you going to do something with your life? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And what she meant was, you know, when are you going to do something more meaningful? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and she, she, she passed away in 2005 from, uh, from breast cancer. And, but even then I remember when, when nine 11 happened and that was another motivator for a lot of people. Yeah. Sure. She was really disturbed by some of the jingoism that followed after it. You know, the, the sort of like flag flag waving, like, you know, the, the hyper nationalism, right. not to say, I mean, there were, there were people who did things that were great and patriotic and, you know, the, and we had that moment of unity. Um, but then it was followed by the Iraq war and it yeah. was followed by people sort of using patriotism as a cudgel, um, and uh, and she was really disturbed by that because it reminded her of the rise mm. of fascism in Germany. And I remember telling her at the time, like, she was like, you know, it, it's going to happen again here. And I remember telling her at the time, again, I was, I don't know, 19. And when you're 19, you think you know, know everything. And I'd be like, no, Grandma, like, you know, American democracy is really strong. We have these strong institutions, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I was an institutionalist. Little did you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. And so I'm actually glad that she passed away. I mean, I, I, I miss my grandma, but I'm glad she passed away before January 6th. Yes. Cause for her, that would have been just like nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, there's plenty that keeps me motivated in politics yeah. now, although I, I don't deal with those kind of issues, you know, day to day, week to week, obviously. Yeah. yeah. There was uh, something I was going to ask you is, so how old are you? I'm 30. I just turned 38 last 38. Month. And so you said. Don't look a day over 31. Yeah. <laughs> young, you got a gray radio it's the, voice. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the Alaska tan because you're yeah. getting sun. <laughs> you know, the skin never yeah. gets wrinkly. Oh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, and so you said you first ran for office in 2014. Mm-hmm. I was right. 29. 29. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by people that run for office at a young age yeah. and mm-hmm. what kind of. Um, roadblocks you run into because of because of youth Mm -hmm. uh, partly because like you just said you had to go do door knocking you had to have thick skin all of these things yeah i imagine you didn't quite have that built up at that first uh first run at stuff yeah when people would scream at you would you scream (laughs) back yeah so like walk me through like what uh what that was like to be like i'm gonna run for office and i'm gonna go out go out and talk to people essentially. Well, you know, it's, it's different for every person and it's different in every district, you know, so Mm -hmm. I don't want to generalize. I'll just say for me, I I had, as we talk about, I interned in, uh, in Congress and I had lived and worked in DC. So I thought I knew sort of federal policy better. So, my first race, which was sort of a surprise to people, was for Congress. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort of went for the big one first. And in, in a weird way, it was it's still probably the most fun I've ever had on a campaign. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, nobody expected me to win. Right. So there wasn't, like, a lot of pressure to win. Sure. Um, and then also, like, um, you don't actually do door knocking. You know, you, you're mostly doing, like town halls or meet and greets or going on the radio. I did that a lot, you know, and in a way it was, it was fun. It was exciting, you know, and got to talk about some big issues, got to travel around the state. You know, when you are not from a wealthy family and don't have any other real reason to do so, like I'd never been to Unalaska Dutch Harbor. I'd never been to Kotzebue, That's you know, cool. growing up in Cordova. Cool. And so this is an opportunity for me to go and see those places. It was awesome. Now I'll say the roadblocks were, you know, first of all, nobody knows your name. Right. And so you call somebody and be like, Hey, this is, this is, you know, for me, this is Forrest Dunbar, you know, can you do, 
donate to my campaign. They're like, who, you know, who are you? Yeah. Why are you calling me? And, uh, and that, I mean, finances is a big one, right? I right. mean, particularly our generation, you know, when the, when the boomers were our age, their generation controlled like 20 to 25% of the wealth of the country. Um, this is a couple of years, my stats are a couple of years old, but our generation controls like 4% of the wealth of the country at the same age as right. they were, you know, we have systematically kind of, uh, uh, shifted the wealth in this country and so that um you know the younger generations so, you know we just we a lot of us don't own houses we don't you know it's so much more expensive to go to college you know mm -hmm. what have you so my friends weren't writing big checks is, is kind of what i'm getting at um and well, you're, they're 29 they're well, 28 they're yeah. 30 yeah of course i mean um, we're going out on the weekends drinking all the time <laughs> yeah. i mean that's, that's part of it too but gone. i raised very little money is my point point. and unfortunately because of citizens united even before citizens united um we have a system in the united states that conflates money with speech and it's very hard to win in politics in the united states without being able to raise money mm. and so that is a big roadblock for a lot of young folks um is yeah the ability to raise money yeah. What were you doing on election night? I was, where were we? We, we were downtown. Um, you know, we had like a election, little election right, right. party. I think we went to election central. Mm -hmm. I remember, um, my, uh, my campaign manager was there. I'm trying to remember And what's crazy. I've, this is my sixth election in eight years just because of a bunch of things that have happened. Mm -hmm. And so uh, some of it kind of runs together in my brain, you know, like my first election to the assembly in 2016, which we won, I remember we were in sub zero, I don't think it even exists anymore. No, no it doesn't. It's, yeah. it's gone. <laughs> so we were at Sub Zero, and uh, but I'm trying to remember where the heck our 2014 party was. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I lost that race, uh, my first race, and sure. it, it wasn't a surprise. Um, but it uh, and, and you know we we got we we broke 40 we got 41 percent statewide which was a surprise to a lot of people because we yeah. had so little money um and it uh in a lot of ways it was a really positive experience and it built up the name recognition and that's the other thing young people don't have usually um they don't have access to wealth and they don't ac have access to name recognition mm. and when you look at the people who do win at a young age usually you know, usually they're from a political dynasty right. or they have millionaire parents. Not always. I mean, my, my friend, um, Jonathan Christ Tompkins, who was elected at 23 to the state legislature down in Sitka, he just went like door to door. I mean, he was just a beast on the doors and he went and lived in these different small communities and he got elected in, in sort of a, a, an upset, you know. But a lot of times when when you see a person at a young age get elected, um, it's it's kind of like, I mean, when you see people in, it's like anything, right? Uh, people who are, are suddenly the president of a company at a young age you're like huh i wonder how that happened how that like, worked. Yeah. oh and then he's like oh your dad did well. you know yeah, what i mean like yeah. there's, there's a lot more of that in all facets yeah. of american society than we like to admit right sure. well, hollywood is like is that huge, yeah. yeah it's it's huge right so so that's that's also really common in in politics what was uh what was your first victory 2016 i 20 ran and won my assembly race okay yeah. and so 2031 31 mm -hmm. do you, did you grow up playing sports i did okay did did that when you realized that you had won, mm -hmm. was that a different feeling than like winning a game of sports? Did you feel like this feeling of like, oh, this is real now. I got to go out and make change in the world like that, yeah. that moment where you realized that you won the the battle and now it's like the work starts. <laughs> yeah. You know, I that's an interesting question. It's It's been, what, six, seven years now. Um, I'm one of these people and I, hopefully you're not wired this way. But for me wins don't feel nearly as good as losses feel bad right right does that make sense yeah mm -hmm. so, losing more than i love winning mm -hmm. yep and so when i win 
whether it was sports or actually, you know what? I, I could no, this is wrong. Winning at sports feels better to be yeah. honest. Like, cause it's, it's so just it's finite. You're yeah. Done. It's kind of pure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually, you know, it's not, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I love winning a game in sports. You yeah. know, it feels great. Um, I should specify that I was a bench warmer in high school, so I a didn't contribute a, win, to a lot of the winning, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I play a lot of pickup ball now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do love, I do love that. Um, but no, I, I'd say the first time I won, it definitely felt surreal, mm-hmm. you know, and every time basically it's felt surreal. And, uh, and yeah, definitely that first time, like you said, it was like, okay, now the real work starts. Now right, I have yeah. to, I'm, there's a, uh, you know, what is, what is the, the famous movie with, with, is it Robert Redford? I think where he went, runs and becomes a, a Senator. And then it's kind of like, Oh, what do I do now? Oh, it right. was, it wasn't that, it wasn't that crazy at all. Sure. I mean, I, I had a very clear sense of kind of what I wanted to do on the assembly, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a feeling of it being a little bit surreal and yeah, it, it didn't feel like, uh, it didn't feel like we'd won a championship or like we were elated in that way, yeah. you know? Um, was yeah. it, was it coming? I mean, cause like speaking from two guys who've never won an election or have never run a campaign, was it like overwhelming? I mean, what was your first day like? I mean, those are the things I'm kind of like yeah. curious about too, because it's like, did you feel like you were just like the new kid on the block and you're like, I'm going to shut up for a minute because <laughs> like, I, I'm going to just get my bearings here. Like yeah. how, how did you like go about that? Sure. Well, first, I want to say I don't want people who maybe were involved in my 2016 campaign to feel like I didn't appreciate it or didn't feel good on that night. It was uh, shout them out. We love you. We love you. You know, you always feel this incredible sense of appreciation for your volunteers and your staff and your donors and your voters. There's no question. And and you share that joy with some of the people you work with. Um, But uh the in terms of like my first day when I first got in the assembly it was a very different kind of assembly than it is now um, in the sense that there were a lot of folks who had a lot of had been there a long time they were going to term out so um, folks like Ellie Ray Jackson Dick Trainey Bill Starr Dick Cheney um, just, 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 yeah. just kidding Dick Trainey yeah I guess I'm listening I'm listening I'm listening people who the out of state listeners don't know yeah. who they are but they're but they're, they're, all been there. they're all they, stars they've all been there a long time right. and so I was very much the new kid on the block and I was I was sort of learning the ropes well, and being you know? 31 yeah I was 31. Yeah, 31 I was the youngest person on the assembly at the time the next year or maybe it was two years later another young man was elected who's younger than I am um, Felix Rivera oh yeah um, but uh, but yeah I definitely felt like and and the assembly in particular is like drinking from a fire hose you know mm-hmm. these big stack of things that are sometimes pretty obscure you know like drainage issues and like licensing issues and things that are not if you've been growing up in politics or or, or paying attention to politics and watching cable news and what have you you still don't know anything about you know land use code right you know that, that that's that's something it's a totally different thing and it's also why it's so inappropriate to bring these national issues a lot of times down to the local level and why it it to me didn't make a lot of sense for Anchorage to elect someone who had no local experience, who was only motivated by these big national issues. And I'll say the last year has already borne that out, in my opinion, um, mm. in some of the decisions that have been made and some of the uh, 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 disastrous uh, decisions, uh, policy choices. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a little bit overwhelming at first, I would no imagine. question. But um, you know, I uh, one of the questions, funny, one of the questions you sent me beforehand. I don't know, am I allowed to reveal oh, yeah, that you know, reveal it. questions? This isn't all live. It's uh, yeah, um, no. So <laughs> the uh, was you know what like what do you read? Like what media do you consume? Yeah. 
And so when I was young, like my teens and my early 20s, especially when I was in the Peace Corps and, and even before that, um, I was just like a voracious reader of everything, but a lot of a lot of nonfiction too. You know, a lot of history, a lot of even science. Like I would just read like everything, you know, philosophy, economics. <clears throat> excuse me. And then grad school and law school kind of beat that out of me because that's what you're doing yeah, all, all the time. time. And so when I read for pleasure, it was always just uh, like you know, for me, it's like fiction. science fiction, yeah. fantasy, like yeah, that kind of stuff. And the in some ways the assembly was kind of a continuation of that in the sense that like you're just reading this tons and tons of pages of really dry material and they're important decisions mm -hmm. that impact mm -hmm. people's lives and you get eventually you get interested in it you know and some people like john weddleton who was another one of my colleagues he came from that world uh he had been on the planning and zoning commission he'd been on the community i on a community council too but he was more involved in that and so for him it was maybe a little bit easier of a transition um, i'll say if anybody is listening to this and is thinking about running for local office don't let that dissuade you it is a lot of work um but you grow to like it you know yeah. uh and and you grow to uh to appreciate some of the finer distinctions but i still don't to be honest i would skill i wish i had i really don't read non fiction for pleasure anymore mm. because i'm burned it out of you yeah i mean what's i mean it's basically what my job is you know is is to read these things and then when i'm when i'm have some time to myself you know usually relatively late at night i'm going to either read something that is uh you know like i said a little more escapist or i'm just like everybody else i'm gonna turn on netflix you know or, or yeah. hulu or hbo and like yeah. you we are know, fans of that game, game of thrones <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. something like that or uh i don't know we can talk about that atlanta i don't know if you guys watch atlanta that's a great show I, I have oh, not watched oh, Atlanta yet. Childish Gambino. Donald well, Glover. Yeah, I mean, Donald yes, Glover. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got I was obsessed with that show for a long time. Um yeah, no, so that that kind of brings us to other things. Like what are the shows? What are the books? Sure. Uh what what do you like? You know, are you an audiobook person? Because one of the things we love about this podcast is like it's not just a conversation to see who the person is or the guest is or what what they're doing. We we're very interested in like people doing cool shit. That's what we're saying, right? <laughs> Where like you're, you know, you were young, you you've been in politics for a long time. Yeah. We're, you know, young. You gotta blow off some we're, steam somewhere. We're young, <laughs> right? And so yeah. it's like there's definitely um, we love talking about that stuff, but we also love talking about pop culture. Sure. We love talking about movies. We love talking about music, all that stuff. Yeah. So what is it? What are those things that you like love to sit down at the end of the night after reading about the loading zones of the <laughs> water line? I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't fucking the know. The old loading zones of the water line. I, uh, yeah. I just tried 46. to, I, I, I tried to yeah, think of. You got yourself in too deep there. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Get this clearly, guy on the assembly. <laughs> clearly I'm not running for anything. I, and I won't be anytime soon yeah you do great man you, you learn that stuff like anything else i um so for me i uh another weird part about my job people don't think about i think is you drive around a lot because there's like a different meetings in different parts of town you're mm -hmm. always driving to and so um i always i listen to podcasts a lot sure but i listen to almost exclusively like sports podcasts yeah i love the and the go fix yourself podcast just kidding starting today I, I love the nba i love the nfl um i sort of generally follow other sports like i'm aware that the mlb playoffs are happening right now you know and some of the teams that are in in the playoffs right the now. mariners yeah congratulations <laughs> 
congratulations. Yeah, Beat the Blue Jinx. Jays. You'll be a Swept, swept yeah. the Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I, I consume a lot of is like sports podcasts. I also am um, really interested in, in uh, movies and, and Hollywood. I think it's just really interesting. I think you and I talked about yeah, that's, Stephen. That's, that's one of the things when I was videoing for ACA, English Concerts, yeah. that's one of the things we started talking about. Because I was like, hey, we were just in Mexico together. Like, I just saw you. Yeah. And like, that was one of the things we connected on. Because you... One of my goals, one of my dreams is to bring the film incentive tax yeah. back to Alaska. And so you just brought it up because that's one of my favorite subjects to talk about with friends and they're just sure. fucking over it. <laughs> and like you brought it up and I was like, oh, here we go. Big like, mistake. <laughs> let's go. Like I, So, yeah, I know that about you. I know. I, I think that's why I'm a big fan. What's yeah, I, I had. Um, so I think we talked about the fact that I in May after my last assembly race, I am. Um, I volunteered on the set of a horror movie that was filming in Whittier because yeah. I have a friend that's a movie oh, producer. Yeah. And, and so I would love to see more movies. It's called The Sea Folk, by the way. Hopefully it, it's, it's, it'll come out next year. Hopefully people watch it. What is it, it called? Sea the, Folk? The Sea Folk. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, uh, you know, set in Whittier, and if anybody knows about Whittier, great place oh, to set yeah. a horror movie. That perfect is, place. I think because we, we've talked about we that. do little <laughs> yeah. short videos on the side, right, just for fun. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that we've always wanted to do was shoot a horror film, a little short film or a movie yeah. in Whittier. So it was like kind of like, damn it, they now beat us it's to already the punch. Done. Yeah. The Seafolk Two is coming soon. <laughs> yeah. <That's right. laughs> it's Kyle and Steve yeah. who had nothing to do with Seafolk <laughs> One. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that the it always frustrates me when I see a movie or a TV show, like Stranger Things, for example, had a scene set in I think it was Nome. Yeah. And it wasn't filmed here. No, I think you know, it was it, Anchorage. I really think because like they flew in, right? I don't know. The oh, point is it was set in Alaska yeah. and it wasn't filmed here. And yeah. and other parts of the country have been able to develop these film industries that um, both, you know, that people don't realize how much um, money movies and TV bring into a yes. community, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not just like actors and directors. You're talking about crew, you know, and, and, and yeah. skilled videographers and, you know, steady cam operators and sound guys and, and gals. And you know what I mean? Like there's just oh, a yeah. lot that goes Gear into it. Oh man. And everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you've got all that. And then on top of that, you know, it's a great advertisement for the place that you live, it's particularly particularly in Alaska, because our comparative advantage, obviously, is our spectacular natural 100%. setting, in addition yeah. to our indigenous culture. I mean, those are kind of the two, the reasons that people want to come to Alaska yeah. or experience Alaska. And Alaska still has that sort of, I think, romance in people's minds. And we should have a, a, a much more developed uh, domestic film industry here. Amen, and brother. It, preach it, it. Yeah. It would spin off a lot of other things, too. Yeah. Actually, I was talking to someone who was a... A music, what was he? Was he a professor at UAA? But he, he was a, a composer, you know? And and like those are other people who would get work yeah. composing for yeah. for these film projects, you know? And, and so I'd love to find a way to to we had one at one point and bringing find yeah. a way to bring back that tax credit because it brings so much economic activity into a community and it helps yep. sustain an art community that that sort of spreads out from there into lots of other things you need people to paint sets and you need people to, again to make music and then that can lead to things like you know i'd love for us to have something i've talked to um chris constant and other people about this something like i mean obviously very much smaller but like south by southwest that's like yeah film and music and tech and culture like that kind of we, we do have small festivals in, in in alaska but i'd like a much larger one in anchorage that combine those things and i think a much more developed film industry could be part of kind of the heart of that kind of uh, of bringing that kind of thing here i love that i love that bigger vision because i think like 
it would, um, I, well, first off, like Alaska Daily. You've heard of this show? I, I have heard of this show. I have, uh, no. I Well, so they they did come they up They did, here. yes. And I, I worked for them, and it was great because they there yeah. was a lot of local businesses. Um, and so I just wanted to say that I worked on it. <laughs> but um, And Vera Starbird uh, uh, was one of the writers on it who is yeah. a oh, wonderful yeah. indigenous writer. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, it, they're doing that. They're doing two. it right, right? I'm, I yeah. was very proud of uh, Tom McCarthy for doing that. Um, but to bring the film incentive tax back in like would be really, really awesome because there was like offices and studios and yeah. employees and people were learning and getting work and stuff like that. Um, and so it was, but I love the idea of having that be like the base of this thing, yeah. this festival. I love that idea because South by Southwest is a very big thing that brings people in from all over the world. Yeah. North by Northwest there actually was. There actually was. I think it would there be is. the best thing. Yeah. No, there, there is something. That I think muse, the Trademark, museum. Steven. Well, no, I think uh, unfortunately, I think the museum already hosts something called North by Northwest. Oh, well, we got a partner that with attempts them. to do something. We got like a this. partner with them, and there is an Anchorage Film Fest. You know, yeah, a yeah. very small and put which, them all together. Well, yeah, I think we need to to work on that. It'll probably be in the shoulder season. You know, probably yeah. in May or, or sometime when when the weather isn't too punishing, Crazy, yeah. but also before the the tourist exactly before the all the hotel rooms are yeah. booked. Yeah, um, but I think it's something that we could do here and to yeah you know, to you know how i so I, I i guess that's a long way of saying i also enjoy pop culture yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and <laughs> we got me there. it's mostly uh, sports podcasts some film stuff what's some of your favorite movies um so my favorite movie of all time it's just like a stereotypical like white Dumb guy my age okay no it's uh <laughs> it's the big lebowski okay yeah. uh, so i love the big lebowski typical white boy yeah it is i yeah. i i you know i think about some great, the, the culture i enjoy and i consume and i i am you know i'm i'm not i i haven't watched uh you know, I'm not. What's what's the name of that famous Swedish? I don't oh, remember. don't Ingrid Bergman. Or, you know what I mean? Like I, we have, probably haven't watched it either. Yeah, I mean, I, I I did. There was a time when I tried to, and I've yeah. watched some of it. But usually, what I watch is like I really enjoyed um, Reservation Dogs, for example, mm, yes. on Hulu was outstanding. Taika, you know, he, yeah, I, I love that. And stuff. you were that the guy. So one of the guys oh, that was yeah. in Reservation Dogs was in the yes. movie with you and Willier. Willier. Yes, John, um, um, John Proudstar. Yes, so, who Ralph Sara, who we had on this podcast. Uh, had him on his podcast. Oh, so great! Want to shout that out too. Well, I'm gonna hope to. I, I'm I'm saving the second season. I'm gonna binge it right after I finish my election, and hopefully, I'm going to try to convince John to, if I can figure it out, to come up for Arctic Comic Con next year. Oh, I'd love, cool. I'd love for us to do a, like an indigenous um, actors or indigenous, oh, I you know love that. panel here if we could get enough folks interested. And and um, you know, I think you guys know Brad. Brad helps run uh, oh, Arctic yeah. Comic Con. You know, um, I think he's also interested. So. Yeah, so I mean, those are the kind of things I consume, and you know, all the all the big HBO shows I watch those. Yeah. You know, Netflix I love Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. You know, I love I love a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it's uh, I don't watch. I got to admit, I don't watch like any reality TV. Like that's just not my. You're, thing. Not you're fine without that. Not yeah. a Bachelor fan. Yeah. No, my my <laughs> girlfriend loves it and tries to get me to watch it. And I just I can't. It's it, too awkward for me. Yeah, that is something it, Kyle and I have talked about because. We both have not been interested in The Bachelor, and then all of a sudden our wives were like, well, just sit down and watch it with me. And then we watch it with them. Let me like, pick this apart. We're, we're, like, <laughs> all right. we're like, that guy, He's not. he doesn't even want to be there. Yeah. And so we're getting sucked in. We're drinking a beer. And like, Brad's going to eventually punch Jim. Yeah. Mary's going to love it. It's it's. I, and then you, she's like, she's yeah. not even watching it anymore. Yeah. But yeah. Um, what? Let, okay, so it's Friday night. Let's pretend. And Force is going to go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Where is he going to go to dinner, and what's the entree he's going to get in all of Anchorage? 
in all of Anchorage, I'm going to go where my girlfriend wants to go. Okay, no, smarty. No, no, and no, no, then I'm going to get the best thing on the menu. I'm going to get the best thing on the menu. Cop out. <laughs> There's got to be, is there, you know. So, girlfriend's not, girlfriend's on a work trip. She's not even in the state. Yeah. Forrest is just feeling bachelor, hungry. Ba- doesn't Bachelor time. Yeah. yeah for, he doesn't feel like making food. Sure. Where does he, does he door dash? Does he go to no, F I've Street? No, I've never door dashed. Oh, um, yeah. No, I, I would not go to F Street. Um, oh. But I, I, so first of Club all. Club Paris. No, there Dang are two. It. There are two places near my house that I like to go to. Okay, one is uh, Pedro's Mexican Grill. And, okay, um, yeah, and the other one is um, the Sweet Pink Pepper, which is a, a Chinese yes. restaurant. And that's right so, down Braga. On Braga, right? yeah, yep, I live on Braga. So those, you know, I, I, that's what I typically get. Is um, I even do, I do this thing sometimes. I'll do this thing where I'll order two dinners. So I'll order one Chinese dinner and one Mexican dinner, and then I'll eat half of both of them for dinner, and then half of both of them for either lunch or breakfast. The that's your fat. Wow. That's your Fat Forest night. <laughs> With Fat Forest. Yeah, yeah we exactly. Always, we yeah. always we we have the thing on this podcast where there's been nights where we call Fat Stephen and Fat Kyle nights where okay. it's just like basically we do whatever no we want. No rules. No rules. Maybe the family's out, right? Yeah. And we're just, I'm like I'm ordering a cheesesteak from my favorite place and some wings yeah. and getting some beers and watching a movie. And like Kyle, I don't, you know, the Kyle's changes, yeah. but like Nashville nachos <laughs> from Moose's Tooth and like yeah. a pint of ice cream or something, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like just like <laughs> that's that's what we would do, yeah. No, exactly. Getting I, weird. I also I have this weird thing, and I try to I try to shop and buy and eat local, obviously. Okay, yeah. But I will say, so I grew up, um, you know, in these very small towns. There was no fast food there. There just weren't fast food restaurants. And so whenever we came into Anchorage for a basketball tournament or a judo tournament or, you know, band fest, you know, whatever it was, we'd always go to fast food. That was like the treat. We only have it a couple times yeah. a year, oh, you yeah. know. Like, and McDonald's. So, yeah, or like the Taco Bell and Soldatna, you know. Like oh, I, my God. You know. And the so, Dairy Queen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so um, my brain is wired that I love fast food. Mm. Like, it's a big treat for me. Uh-huh. And so I have to I have to try to reel it back a little bit, you know. And I'm, I found, like, what's the healthiest thing on this fast food menu? You know, like, oh. you can go to Carl's Jr. You get them to wrap the burger in yeah. lettuce instead of a bun. Gross. You know? Yeah. Why even go to Carl's well, Jr.? Well, because, yeah, I will say, like, my – and my favorite fast food by far is Popeye's chicken. I oh, love okay. Popeye's. Now, I only go to Popeye's once well, every couple months. Pleasure. It's very much a guilty pleasure because I always feel terrible after I eat it. <laughs> but it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And yeah. so I get that every couple months, too. That's, like, a true fat me night. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, we've, we've, uh, we haven't even gotten to your Peace Corps or military um, – you know, your upbringing and all that stuff. Sure. But I think we've already taken too much of your time. So we'll definitely have to do a part two. Um, well, wait, can, I, can I answer one of the other questions you sent me before we go? Oh, yes. yeah, sure. Okay. Um, you asked what was uh, the best and the worst advice I ever got. Oh, and you came prepared? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I read the question. Oh, I didn't write anything gosh, out. I was door knocking, but I read the questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, school was the only thing I was ever good at. So I, uh, I, I prepare for the test. Uh, no, so the, uh, I don't know the answer to the worst advice because you know it's it's um, uh, uh, have you ever seen the movie? I think it's called Charlie Wilson's War. Oh yeah, where uh, yeah. um, what's that actor who passed away? His oh, name? Oh man, uh, you know out from the Big Lebowski. The, out out and, of all the movies, yeah, oh man, I um, really feel bad. I'm I'm blanking on his name. He's a genius. Yeah. And so we'll just insert actor's name here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he he says, you know, we'll see, we'll see, 
we'll see. Like you just, you know, talking about the war in Afghanistan and and the and what happens afterwards. Like we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And with the, with the worst advice, I've gotten advice that I thought was bad advice, and then turned out five, maybe ten years later, it turned out to be pretty good advice. So it's hard for me to know what the worst advice is. You know, sure. I've definitely got some bad advice in my time. But for, in terms of best advice, I was I was really thinking about this, and I've gotten lots of advice. I had kind of a weird answer though, because it's not from a person. It was from the army and one of their trainings. And if, if you, I don't know if you either guys have been in the military, have not, but you have to do a bunch of trainings that a lot of them feel totally worthless and really frustrating and people rolling their eyes and not paying attention. And, and I certainly feel that way sometimes too, like this, like death by PowerPoint, you know, like, okay. But you know, there's been this um, rash of uh, not a rash. It's just a long-term problem in the military with suicide um, Mm -hmm. in the military. And then with veterans, and it's not just suicide. There's lots of mental health problems that come from military service or are sort of exacerbated by military service. And so they give us these classes. There's a variety of different kinds of classes. And when I was first coming into the military, there was one that was called resiliency training, you know, and how to be a resilient person, basically. And a phrase they used that I'd never heard before um, that really stuck with me. And they said, um, don't engage in uh, catastrophic thinking. And I, it's much easier said than done. But what they meant by that was, uh, um, is, you know, something can go wrong in your life. And then you extrapolate. You say, okay, this went wrong. Let's go, this thing's going to go wrong. And then this thing's going to go wrong. And then my whole life is going to be ruined, you know. And I, I still catch myself doing that all the time. And that's, that was the most useful thing about it. It wasn't that I was able to turn that part of my brain off and, and immediately stop engaging in catastrophic thinking. But it was I could catch myself and realize what I was doing when I did it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have a person with, I, you know, I have very active imagination, you know. One of the reasons I've never, never done psychedelic drugs. My dad was like, you don't want to do that because you, you, you're, imagination is too yeah you're too good at yeah you you (laughs) dream up all kinds of crazy stuff um so uh yeah so but i i do this i am a worrier i'm a i'm a i'm a you know expounding on yeah exactly like what's gonna happen and so this little thing goes wrong in your life this little mistake you make and you you see this path laid out before you that's going to lead to catastrophe Mm -hmm. and the truth is in most cases that's not what's going to happen and so you just you just got to interrupt the cycle and say okay mm-hmm. just just come back to the moment and say okay, this little thing went wrong it's not a guarantee the next thing's going to go wrong or the big thing after that you know so yeah. don't engage in catastrophic thinking i love that that's good that's I good i love that i find myself doing that all the time especially with kids um i have kids yeah. and so you think you know they do this one thing bad and then you're like next thing they're going to be doing is drugs you yeah. know they're three you just like go yeah. down this like dark Little path Caroline. My, yeah i know and my wife's like how do you jump to that like because <laughs> i'm just like just well, doing lines on the kitchen table yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's very easy for your imagination especially as somebody that's probably uh analytical and, and thinks a lot about um the pros and cons of things is it's very easy to get into that negative headspace of this yeah. is going to go wrong, and therefore this one is going to... And then it keeps going and building and building mm-hmm. and building. And I catch myself all the time because I go way far. And my wife's like, you should have stopped like after right. the first little, yeah. little thing that you had and de- dealt with that first. Right. And so that's that's great because I think we all need a reminder that yeah, you can you can stop the way that you think, but it takes practice. Yeah, and it's, it's not something that's funny. I bet if any of my people on my campaign staff listen to this, yeah. which they probably won't, but if any of them do... Hey. 
No, no. <laughs> what if they no, already? What if no, they no, already that's, listen? That's, that's a good point. What no. if they're already that wasn't meant, that was not meant as a dig at each one of them. <laughs> that was not meant as a dig. I'm going to find <laughs> out. I'm going to find out who works on your staff, and I'm going right. to send. I'm going to find their number. And they're like, "How'd you get my number?" Th- that like, was in no means the no, podcast episode. Yeah, that was by no means a dig at you. That was the point is that they are. You too know, busy. long board of no, me I know. and not not really tracking these kind of things. But the point is they would think, I think it's very funny that I said that because I, I think they, their experience of me working on this campaign is I do that, right? right, right. That I'm always like, oh shoot, we made this mistake and then this other thing is going to happen and we're going to lose the race, you know? Right. And, um, but I just want to let them know this is like, this is only 40% of what I used right. to be. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I've worked on it a lot that I, you know, I, I do find uh, myself doing that and try to interrupt it. But like I said, I'm, it's, it's, it's easier said than done. It's, it's human nature, but if you can recognize it, then you can try to, you can try to stop. Yeah. It, for I love sure. that. I love that. Um, well, what, you know, what's next for you? What, I mean, you've got the election going yeah. on. Uh, what's that, you know, happening right now? What's looking, what's that looking like? Well, I, I won the primary and um, I think I have a pretty good chance in the general election. Yeah. And so that's, Guess I mean, that's really back. nice. <laughs> that's a reference to the uh, video we made. To the real and if you haven't made. seen it, uh, was what's your Instagram? Uh, I think it's, that one is Forest for Anchorage. Forest for Anchorage. Um, gotcha. I have two. I also have an official one. So yeah, if people want to check up, I have a Twitter. I think it's just Forest Dunbar, AK. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, although I sort of dissuade people from using Facebook. Um, inst- and an Instagram, which of course is owned by Facebook. Um, but it's uh, Forest, uh, uh, Forest for Anchorage. And uh, there's also ForestDunbar.com, my my um, my website. Um, yeah. That's more you know policy related. And if you want to donate to my campaign, hey. which would be wonderful. Yeah, uh, but no, I mean that's that's really what's next for me is is I'll either I, I tell this to my campaign staff sometimes the 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 best thing about campaigns is they end <laughs> right right so we will know yeah um, uh, hopefully within a day or two uh, after November eighth we'll know if I won or didn't and yeah. then you know that that's sort of interesting thing I mean sort of like sports again like you the, your life kind of branches you know and, yeah and and uh, um, and the people around me their their lives will branch too because some people i'll hire some people i won't be able to um you know i i uh yeah the people in my family you know i'll be often i'll move to juno for four months out of the year like it, it'll be a, a, a different stage of my life yeah and, and so that's really but i'm pretty good at you know sawing the wood in front of me like i'm focused on the election and also doing the assembly work at the same time um and then after november we'll see and hopefully i get a chance to represent my district and uh, go down to juno and and get to see a, a different uh, you know, a different part of, of government, frankly, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I've worked down there a couple of times, but it'll be different going down as a legislator. And, cool. uh, yeah, I, I, I think it will be. And, yeah. um, yeah, just, just looking forward to it uh, hopefully, you know, and, and, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I, um, I will bring it kind of full circle and, you know, again, not to be too much of a downer, but, um, I, I did want to go to my friends, and I still might. I still might have to just leave the election and go down to his um, his memorial service, you know, in a couple of weeks. When I spoke with his father, he kind of made it sound like it might be a smaller service, just his family. And yeah. They're going to do, like, a live stream for all of us that are scattered around the country. Sure. Um, but I have been thinking about, you know, the trips I want to take in the next year. And 
reconnecting with people in the lower 48. I mean, that's one of the challenges we have here in Alaska. If you have spent time in lower 48 for school or whatever, you know, you fall out of contact with people. Yeah. And so I want to go to different parts of the country and reconnect with people. And then of course I'm going to go to Ohio where he lived and I'm going to, you know, whether it's a, a gravestone or, or the place they scattered his ashes or whatever happens, I got to, this is something yeah. I, 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 I need to do. Yeah. You know, I want to do. It's, sure. pre- it's pretty powerful for a memorial service. I feel like, uh, well, getting closure, I, yeah. Kind of the, yeah. I really think that was it, man. You know, I think that's 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 beautiful to be there, but it's also the talk, uh, talk about them. So, I mean, absolutely, yeah. You know, take time off, do that. Well, I think give yeah. yourself that. I, I, if I can, I will. Um, if not, I will watch this this live stream. You know, yeah. and then, but I will find what I, I was talking to one of my other fraternity brothers about this. We are going to find a time to go. You know, even if it's not at the memorial, we will find a time to go to where he was, you mm-hmm. know, and have our own moment with him, um, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I've done this before. You know, I had a, a friend that passed away when I was in grad school and I did something similar. You know, I wasn't able to go to their funeral. Um, I actually didn't even know it happened. That's a really long story. But um, but I was able to go and visit his his grave, you know, and and I think that that's really important, you know. Yeah. It's these these kind Absolutely. of these, these acts, you know, and and I, yeah. So that's that's something else that is in my not too distant future. Yeah, I get that. Well, um, listen, we are we we're sorry about your friend, of course. You know, death is not always an easy thing. Um, it's a thing that happens all the time, um, but it sucks. You know, it's not yeah. easy going through it. It's grief. You know, it's all that shit. Um, and so we're we're with you, man. Um, we, but we appreciate you coming on. We yeah, appreciate thank you, you for being taking the time, open and honest about it, and you know what's going on. And hopefully, we could you know help you with that process a little bit tonight and kind of make it a little bit yeah, easier. It was, it was great talking um, to you guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, thank you we'll for just wait on. for that call on election night, the party. Just let us know where it's at. You know, <laughs> yeah, some wristbands to get into the party. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure we'll get that. <laughs> we we're pretty good at partying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for coming on for us. It was great to see you guys. Rest in peace, John. Thanks for tuning in. Kyle and Steven will be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, check out GoFixYourselfPodcast.com. And remember to always go fix yourself.